Welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. We're unedited. I noticed this morning that, you know, I took Christmas off a little bit too hard. I did not record an episode or schedule it to be released on normal occasions. Um, but that does not mean that I haven't been thinking and doing a lot. The opposite is true. I think I get a little bit more crazy, more excited about business every month. My wife is officially tired of hearing me talk about business. Um, but I love it. And uh, thanks for everyone for uh, listening to the podcast. It's uh, been a lot of fun grow, uh, growing this and meeting people in person, all those sorts of things. And I always like to explore new, you know, um, let's see, just ways to market. Yeah, there's lots of different things to, to, to grow, you know, a podcast or to grow, you know, uh, social channels. I could you know, I can talk for hours, but what I want to share is um, my most viral thread uh, in the last year, and it summarizes things that maybe you've heard ideas, but the thing about Twitter that I love the most, or uh, LinkedIn, is it actually rewards quality, and I'll define quality as like people want to read it, they want to engage, they want to retweet, and so sometimes that um, I, there, there's trends that work well. And I've been having fun, you know, gamifying, using new like um, teasers or way to start the conversation. And this thread that uh, went, that did really well, it's 11 harsh truths about selling on Amazon as an arbitrage or wholesale seller. This is where I'm an expert. I have been doing it for a decade. I have seen the high highs. I've seen some low lows. Uh, you're going to hear more about both of those. Um, I think that um, I mean I've got I've got a lot to say. Like here, here's eleven harsh harsh truths. But before I get, dive in, um, I, I actually want to talk about two little things. Uh, one is this idea that like um, to those the uh, to a lot of service providers, a lot of brands. There's pr they they probably don't understand resellers. They don't understand arbitrage. They don't understand wholesale uh, because you know you're you're building a business off of assets that you don't completely own. You know if uh, we've had exclusive relationships that you know we sell a few million dollars on it, and uh, but we don't own the brand, and so immediately like that raises some red flags. So, you know, it's not like you can exit a business with uh, that IP, but like they almost feel like it's going away. And I'm just going to tell you, it's not going away at all. It's only going to grow while this one thing remains true. Arbitrage is going to stay around for uh, in, until the, you know, as long as people make more money per hour than driving Uber. Sure, there's a lot of other gig economies out there, but like, let's just like say like, while driving Uber right now is only $15 an hour, that's probably generous from what I've heard. Um, uh, reselling on Amazon is more profitable than that. And while that's more true, people will find it. They will find opportunities to uh, increase their net worth. And so if you think about uh, like, let's just say, like, if you think about new arbitragers, brand new, like you think about Uber drivers, 
That's an interesting comparison. Experienced arbitragers, uh, and you know, they they can do much, much, much more. They can start to, you know, maybe if they, they push themselves out of the business, they can start doing, you know, two, three, four, five hundred dollars of net profit per hour that they invest into that business. I've seen that happen. I've done it myself. I have seen, you know, um, my net worth go up by hundreds of thousands of dollars while I actually spend more of my time doing other things. Um, so that's kind of like a backdrop. If, as you think about this, um, not all of those businesses are exitable. Some of them actually are. You know, uh, Caspian, they're a public, uh, they're public, you know, they're on this, the stock market um, and doing hundreds of millions in revenue a year. They're basically a wholesaler. Yeah, they've, they've built other services around it. And you're seeing that at, at all stages, uh, high revenue and low revenue. There, there's more of these outfits out there than you think. And some of the biggest sellers, that's what they are. They're not a private label. They're not a brand. They sell other brands. We're talking like Pattern and Spreetel in particular. They're, they're ginormous. They, they, uh, Pattern hit a billion dollars in revenue. And at the core, they are just a wholesaler that is really good at sales and marketing. Sales and marketing of their own brand so that other brands trust them. And that's, that, 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 that is my opinion. Um, so while those things are true, I'm going to talk about this. Uh, oh, there's one other thing. Before I get to the, to the thread about the 11 harsh truths, I actually want to talk about something I spend a lot of time thinking about is I, I was very dismissive of it at first, but there's absolutely no way to dismiss it anymore. And that's uh, the new AI tools and how they're changing the game. Um, I am using uh, ChatGPT AI to write articles. I am using them inside of Smart Scout now. Within a month, I, we, we will release what I would probably say is the, uh, the best, most effective listing writer uh, on the planet. You know, I, I, I will go to, I'll go to bat for that. Why? Because it will allow a dumb, let's just say a, a dumb copywriter, a dumb brand manager, a, a brand new private label seller to make better listing content than an average copywriter. Why? Because we're using AI to just like to write it. So it's elegant but we're using a relevancy engine behind to make sure that you are using the right keywords, that your SEO is strong. <clears throat> I'm, I, I, I kind of wanted to build a tool similar to this about a year ago. Um, but now once like we saw OpenAI and like, that it has an API, we're like done. And I featured Data Dive. I featured Helium 10. I've paid for those tools. Love them. Those may be the best of the best to get what you want done, but they also take a ton of time and they take expertise. And like some people just don't want to write and it could take, I actually think to do data dive, right? takes maybe 45 minutes per listing. And that's after doing hours of training. Well, I give me a dumb brand new seller and I will make them 90% as good as data dive within three minutes. So, um, AI is a tool like the calculator. It needs 
a human behind it. It needs uh, intelligence, that, but it is also, it really is on its own an intelligence. In, and, and how much it accomplishes for you. I'll probably do one more episode talking about it because, you know, I spent 30 minutes this morning and like, it is awesome. It looks good. And anyone that ever touches the listing copy, you're going to want to see this. This will change the game. Uh, and yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll save the, the rest for the future. But um, I, I think... You know, I met with someone today that's built a few hundred listings himself, and he just cannot wait to get his hands on it. Because uh, I showed him in, in real time what it was like to, to bring in a relevancy keyword engine on top of AI and just crank out Amazon listings. Yeah, you can use ChatGPT to create these listings, but they don't do it with like keyword stuffing in a, in a, in a SEO rich way. Okay, Twitter thread, let's jump in. Now, um, many of these uh, are going to be applicable to anyone selling on Amazon. But these are things that I learned the hard way. Uh, that's why that's called the harsh truths about selling as an Amazon arbitrage seller. I might be wrong. You could prove me wrong, but let's see. Number one, unless you get to $2 million of net profit and have true competitive moats, you do not have an exitable business. Okay, okay, maybe you'll find someone that will pay a one to two times multiple, but you're uh, not going to be able to go on an open market and get uh, you know people that start to pay a higher multiple that think about you differently that want uh, because the buyers, they want to make more money off of the business than you did. That's why they're buying it. So you kind of need to get scale. Um, the reason I know this is I've done this. I've, I, I have had 30 plus conversations about exiting Buy Boxer. There's a lot of reasons why that didn't work out. But at the end of the day, why we didn't even get initial interest with so many people. We actually did get an offer. Uh, they backed out, not even related to us. But, um, wh but why so many of the, the conversations just stopped. Is, yeah, we had tech. Um, but... Uh, they, uh, that the founders, myself, I didn't want to stick around. I was moving on. And um, so we had, you know, a million dollars of net profit, actually more. But um, since I don't want to stick around, they didn't want to talk anymore. Uh, if the conversation would have changed if we were over three million of net profit, then they're like, okay, tell me more. Since, uh, number two, since you do not have an exitable business, you can go down two paths. Cash flow for yourself or pivot into another business. There's absolutely nothing wrong with cash flowing for yourself. You should be in the, in the black every single month. If you're not, reduce overhead. Don't get yourself in situations where you can't reduce overhead. If I had to do it all over, all over again, I would have taken out I would have taken money out sooner. I was swinging for the fences and trying to build a hundred million dollar company. Um, we had plenty of chances to take out money and to divest. I've done that more recently, but I wish I did it earlier. My more recent efforts, I bought a private label business, and I uh, I've built a software service. Uh, I, I still enjoy both of them. Um, I could not be more excited. You know, you heard me talking about AI. I'm extremely excited about Smart Scout's future. 
as we uh, go toe to toe against much more uh, uh, tools with uh, with much more capital, and we outperform. We kick their butts all across the board. We have a uh, uh, we're a less expensive tool and offer more features. Um, now, number three, specialize. Everything gets easier once you specialize. If you're selling on Amazon, focus on a category. Focus on a product size. Sure, you can be in every category with Amazon FBA, but if you're talking with a brand, you won't know anything that they absolutely must know. If, if you know the 10 pitfalls of beauty on Amazon, don't you think other beauty brands will want to work with you? You'll be surprised by how many decisions get answered after you do this. I would, uh, you know, uh, I would absolutely like specialize in a category. Why not? Because then you'll know your target market. You'll know the brands that you want to go after and you'll look more attractive to them. If say you're, uh, you have a website, maybe you're an agency um, or maybe you have an agency service. And if you say, we know how to make beauty brands look sharp on Amazon, if they're a beauty, beauty brand, finally, someone's talking to them. But if you're just saying, we know how to grow Amazon revenue, that's not speaking to them. Everything gets easier when you specialize. I think about this constantly as uh, Smart Scout makes specialization decisions on the daily. Our private label business, it's a weak business because of how broad it is. We will only gain advantages if we specialize. Now, um, shoot, I could do a, uh, an entire podcast on that and applying it. Um, for But here's how private label can. We have a bunch of products. We have one putting mat. And I'm like, well, what if we just became a golf accessories business? What, you know, then we could become a name brand within a community. Uh, you know, what if we have the best putting mats in the world that I could actually go to, uh, to bat with that statement? I can't right now. Um, we have one putting mat. Moving on. Uh, number four, inventory over 90 days old is actively working against you. Every month is more fees. Times four in the holiday season. Start to unload. Get that capital working on better stuff. Only be patient if you're confident it's worth it. Inventory turn is more important than a few points of margin. It's uh, on January 17th, we will be, uh, Amazon will double the price of removals. So there's no excuses. If you're listening to this podcast right now, the number one thing you should be doing is looking at your stale inventory. Amazon has a much stronger inventory manager, uh, the, the inventory planner. You can see your excess inventory. I actually think it's really good. I built something like that a few years ago. And for one of our businesses, we're, put, we're just using that because it's good enough. Number uh, five, never sell against Amazon retail. Exceptions make you feel like you're better than this rule. Keep exceptions as exceptions. You will stay safer. Number six, get cozy with someone that really knows how to get sellers unsuspended. Consultants like Riverbend, Chris McCabe, they've been on the podcast more than once. They'll help you sleep better at night. Do not get suspended without knowing what steps you'll take to get out of jail. Number seven, think of ways you can raise your prices. Know that I found more ways of raising prices in my sixth year 
than in my previous years. Revisit this. How can you stay away from competition? How can you encourage offers to raise your price? Number eight, if you don't have regular inventory counts that would pass an audit or financials that your mom would be proud of, don't seek leverage. There are a few pools of inventory that you should count. Inbound, outbound, and prepping. My, co my company, Buyboxer, we let these numbers get loose and it inflated our balance sheet. Many times we've, we had to do inventory write-offs and I think ultimately it's because we did not count inventory and put it on our balance sheet the exact right way every single month. Invest, discipline your numbers, pay for a service. Um, Ecom Balance, that's a service I could shout out. I've worked with them a little bit. For a very low fee, you can get a bookkeeper. Um, it's gonna suck if you haven't been keeping your books very well because you're gonna have to do some backlog. Um, it's either you're gonna have to do this yourself or someone else will have to do it, but get it right. Number nine, shrink tunnels, bagging machines, and auto label auto labelers will improve your efficiency. They're expensive and complicated. Chinese manufacturers sell them close to one-tenth of the price, you, but you will be working without customer support. We bought a $12,000 machine that was exactly what we were looking for. After several electricians, we couldn't get it working. I don't regret trying, but it's not easy. This brand I think is called, called Gerky Pack. If you want to look at a Chinese auto bagger, shrink tunnels, Gerky Pack, look them up, but ask a lot of questions. Number 10, our margins were slightly better with less competitive long tail products. Products that were like with sales rank over 200,000, we consistently turned a profit even if we only sold six units a month. But I wouldn't do that again. Purchasing fewer than 30 units spreads your capital out pretty well, but it makes your shipping less efficient. Multi-skew boxes and unfamiliar products decrease the efficiency of your team. It increases the, your exposure to IP complaints. And when you're fixing stranded inventory on only five units, that's not very helpful. With little invested, there's also no reason to invest in a product with better images of PPC copy. And so the product eventually dies out to obscurity, causing you to need to look to new products. Every, every 18 months, we'd have 50% new SKUs. I get a lot of questions about this, why I'm always like, you know, saying, you know, long tail is like profitable, but it's also not worth your time. Um, it just really sucks that like I've spent time fixing stranded inventory or I've had VAs fix stranded inventory when there's only like $40 at stake. You do this times a hundred and like, you're just, you're just spinning your wheels, just trying to clear up uh, some capital. Number 11, we scaled our, my, my uh, wholesale business to uh, you know, tens of millions a month, sorry, uh, a year, um, tens of millions a year. We did this by using software. I thought a UPC scanner was a million dollar software and that proved over, right over a hundred times as we did well over a hundred million in revenue. You can use a lot of tools to find opportunities. Smart Scout was designed to make sure you're starting with the best products and brands first. Brands with little competition, products that are out of stock. You can turn the 1 million brands on Amazon into your top 50 list. I've also built software tools that probably spent $30,000, you know, on, on labor or whatever. 
on what we could have just paid $50 a month for. I, I think that you, um, I, if, if I turn this podcast literally in just to like, you know, a best of software review, you know, best profitability tool, best PPC tool, and really did the job for you that this would be the best podcast in the world. So maybe I'll actually do that. I, I, I do have ideas to do more content around that to do more like, you know, really answering questions for you. So, you know, I can reference an episode and be like, hey, you know, we solved this problem on this episode and like, trust me, you're going to want this. This is the best tool for the best price. It accomplishes this. I trust it. I've brought a lot of software tools on and I talk a lot about them, but, you know, I don't always do deep dives. I kind of do just like an exploration. And um, so... This is, uh, you know, I, I'm really enjoying writing a lot more. I've got a newsletter. Uh, you email me, scott at smartscout.com if you want in on the newsletter. Uh, and uh, I think everyone should invest in writing to some degree. It, it helps you. It, why write better? Well, it helps you think better. Because if you, if you can't write it well, you're not thinking about it well. And, you know, the difference between... Um, uh, people engaging in what you're writing and not could just be just the style. So I'm, I'm looking at other people that are doing very effective things. I'm, I'm copying them, applying it to my world so that I'm an engaging person. Wow. That was a great podcast. A lot of really interesting stuff. You know, I'm actually going to turn this off and start working on a few of these things for our business. Um, and, uh, so if, uh, uh, say, just stay tuned, you know, as I talk about, like, I've got a lot of interesting things coming in the future and our, our content game, our, the podcast game, all this stuff, it's only going up and to the right We're, we are actually getting better. I'm getting better at communicating. I'm getting better at not saying, uh, and all that, you know, we got a software developer that's turned into a podcast host. And believe it or not, um, I look at my original episodes and I cringe. Not to say that the content there isn't like some of my best. It's just my ability to deliver and to think clearly has gotten a lot better. And uh, so thanks everyone for listening. Uh, I, I think 2023, you know, I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic about everything, you know. <laughs> But so if you want people to talk doom and gloom about and about recessions and all that, you're going to have to tune into other news because I know that if you get better at your job, if you get um, turned into a more clear thinker, your chances of success approaches 100%. Not everyone's going to get better, but I think you can. And, you know, dig deep and... Um, that's all I'll say. I'll leave this with you guys. And, uh, you know, uh, but if you, if you ever want to, you know, ask questions, you know, s send me a tweet, send me an Instagram, email me at scott at smartscout.com. Would love to uh, break the fourth wall and make this more of a conversation. And hopefully I can answer some questions on the pod. All right. Take care, everyone. And uh, uh, happy selling.